What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Cases and cases of confidence. Staples can help give you the confidence that your business is ready for the year ahead with all the supplies you need. Like paper. And right now, when you buy a 10-ream case of Staples multipurpose paper, you get one free. So you can be confident you're ready for whatever business comes your way. Buy one case of Staples multipurpose paper, get one free. Now at Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. In-store only, limit 10. Valid through 1519. Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Thanks for tuning in. It's, what is it, Wednesday, April 25th, 2018. It's the season finale of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends and also our final episode. I'm excited the about that. Finale. Yes, the series finale. And I'm in the studio joined by some of my favorite people, Miss Caprice L. Moore, Miss Joda Melissa Slaughter. Yes. I like those three names. Miss <laughs> Rhonda Arrington. What it be N- like? Nikki Curry. Yes. She's, she's present. Thank you. <laughs> and then we have the recently producer of the year, Miss Jada Carson. How are hello, you? hello, hello, hello. How you doing? How does it feel? It feels amazing. Were you surprised? Yes, I was. You were? I was. Because I was a freshman, so I was going up against people who were upperclassmen. Uh-huh. And I you, thought did, you did good. Yeah. You did good. Yeah. I saw your face light up when he said she, when they were reading the first one. Yeah. And it was two other guys you were against. So I was like, oh, my God, Jada did. Congratulations. Thank uh, you. How's everybody's week going? Productive, okay. Yes. That's the difference. Yes. There's a big difference yes. in being busy and being productive. Yes. What's going on with my I can't hear. Okay. All right. So this is the final episode of Let's Face It. Four years. I don't know why you say I'm excited. I'm excited. It took a while. I've been thinking about it since January. I was thinking about January when we were coming back for um, on the 16th. I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? Because I've done almost 200 shows, almost 400 interviews, and I've talked about everything that I wanted to talk. We started with the Survival Radio Network, and I I think I've done everything I can do from this seat, but I just want to take it a little step higher now. So, um, and Sunday when we won, because I was shocked that we won. I wasn't. I was like, now's the perfect time to go. Right, you got to go out on top. Yeah, exactly. Leave on the high Well, note. congratulations. Thank you. On four years. Thank and you. Congratulations on your next jump. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm proud excited. of you. Thank you. Are you really? I really am. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's changing batteries in there. Oh, okay. okay. But um. The show's gonna just gonna it's gonna go out on top again, and I have a lot of things I want to talk about. You, know, you guys know Michelle Williams is getting married. Oh, you already know. I know. That. Michelle's getting married. Um, so this is what she said. She said that she she told no one of her relationship with her fiance Chad Johnson. She said it wasn't because he was a white man. 
She said because she wanted nothing to sully or pollute the blossoming relationship that they had. Um, she said she revealed to people exclusively a year after dating that she was engaged to the love of her life. And she said that the, the relationship popped off in March of 2017 when she was at a, a spiritual retreat, which was led by Chad Johnson. Pastor Chad. Uh, Pastor Chad. And they started building a strong relationship through conversations on Instagram, over text messages, and face, FaceTime calls. So she said, I think in July, on their first date, um, he took her, took her to a wedding. I think it was a wedding somewhere. He said that um, we spent almost three months without even seeing each other, just building a strong foundation on the phone and through FaceTime. It was really built on friendship and communication. She said the first date, um, they went on the first real date to a wedding in the Dominican Republic, and that was when he decided to really shoot his shot and um, take their relationship to the next level. He said, I told her that I've been looking, and I don't want to look anymore. I've, I'm done. My search is over. Um, and they shared their first kiss and became an official couple. So do you think it's possible to build a really strong relationship like that through text, Instagram, and not really seeing each other when distance is... Yeah, I mean, y'all remember black voices back in the day. I mean, people have done... <laughs> y'all remember black voices? I'm not, I don't remember black don't voices. Like y'all, I don't know who black voices. voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Is that mm. a group? I don't know who they are. <laughs> Either. Is that a group? group? No, okay. but I, I don't know who they are. It was, I guess it was um, a branch off of AOL. It was like an um, mm-hmm. email server, uh-huh. but they also... You had profiles. People would send you stuff. It was kind of like a dating site, but not really, I guess. Uh-huh. So the dating. It was site. an online blog or something. It, will, it will was. Was it for everybody? Of, if you were black. Okay, uh, so it was like the old well, blackpeoplemeet.com. She wouldn't have met Chad up there. Right. So what I'm what I'm, I'm saying all that to say. <laughs> well, they said that his congregation is primarily black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was just light skinned. Me really. too. I thought he was just yeah. light skinned. I said, oh. mm-hmm. I'm saying that to say that this is not the first time we heard about people having long distance relationships or meeting uh-huh. out, you know, meeting somewhere but sustaining a relationship without a lot of physical contact. And so I think, it's believable for me. I think that's important and I think friendship is absolutely important mm-hmm. because I think I think that's what helps you stay when during the rough hard. times. Yeah. Is, right. You know, I I don't so I don't just love him, but I like him. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, he's my best friend. Mm-hmm. Like, I can be extremely vulnerable and share everything with him because he gets me. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that makes you want to fight. Exactly. That's the kind of stuff while everybody else is growing apart, <clears throat> you're growing closer together. Right. And I think it absolutely takes a good foundation of friendship mm-hmm. in order to become lovers. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the time, people do it the other way around, and he's fine. Oh, and she's pretty, and here we are. We're having sex. It's week one, mm-hmm. and then you get to year twenty-five. The kids have gone, and right. you look at him, and you're like, "Who is exactly. he?" Exactly. But when you're friends, yeah. that's the stuff that makes you. That's the stuff that helps you stay. And to add on to that, I think also like if the relationship goes south, mm-hmm. I think being friends because that worked in my situation when Nate and I no longer were together in a relationship. Right. We're even closer now as friends right, because that right. foundation was there. Right. And there's something that he still, you know, that person could still add to your life. Yeah. There's something that you could still add to their life. Yeah. But friendship is absolutely I, I, essential. I, it's yeah. absolutely essential. I you think, think so? It, it actually always been in, been dating for long distance because you think about when people that's in the military, they send in letters. It's always some form. And with even online dating, it's like it's normal now. Mm-hmm. To me, it's just normal for people to live far apart and get to know each other over, you know, over email, over, you know, 
FaceTime or it's Skype. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. It's normal now. Yeah. It's always been. And, you know, and I think the, the thing, the awesome thing about it is no matter what the avenue is, you see that when you build something away from the things that help you have a facade, that you can really have something that's worth it. And it doesn't take forever. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Sex does cloud things, mm-hmm. especially when you bring it in something too soon. Especially good sex, yes. That's what <laughs> <laughs> she like she lit up like. Okay. Hey, there we go. <laughs> that cloud a whole lot of stuff. Good one. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, and uh-huh. <clears throat> take me back. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you need to be able to mm-hmm. to get to know people in their seasons and things like that, and it's easier to do that without something in your way, right? Yeah. And right. so I, I think it's great when we're talking about foundations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I like, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. And I like the fact that they didn't tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. That they kept it a secret. And that's what I was going to go on to the next part. Yeah. always have an opinion. Yeah. And the yeah. people who have the most opinion are the people who know the least about what mm-hmm. it is right. they're giving you their opinion mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. You know, well, d- let me tell you what I did. Well, honey, you and your husband, you, you've been with him for 35 years, but you sleep in different rooms. Yeah. Yeah. You're not intimate. You're not friends. Yeah. And you really mm-hmm. don't like each other. You just stand together because it's cheaper to keep her. Right. right. Like, I don't need uh-huh. that type of advice. Exactly. I want to hear, I wanna hear from the people her. who've been together for 35 years through <laughs> hell and water. That's right. Like, what is the number one thing that has helped keep your marriage together? Mm-hmm. And for most of the couples that I've worked with, it's communication. Communication. It's being able to say, right. when you do this, this is how this makes me feel, yeah. versus you always, you never, you should, right. you could. Well, why do you think communication is so hard? Oh, and from I, your experiences, what do they say? I, I think I think some of it is because we don't know how to communicate. Yeah. Uh-huh. We don't know how to say you know, I'm angry, but this is why I'm angry. Or I'm hurt, but this is the real reason. So I'm really not angry. I'm just hurt. Mm. And the fact that I've never said anything after all this time, now I'm blowing up at you and I'm projecting onto you. Mm -hmm. Yes, what we should have had conversation about a long time. Mm -hmm. So some of it is they really don't know how to communicate. Some of it is what will he or she say or think if I really share with them how I really yeah. feel. How I really feel. Right. Because then what it does is it makes me vulnerable and it under, and uncovers another layer of who I am. And am I really comfortable with in the fact that this person will stay if they see all of that? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think those are the two biggest things. But when I think really that the relationship, you should be comfortable being vulnerable yeah, with I, the other so person. Here's the thing that I found. Most people are a lot more comfortable being naked vulnerable than mm-hmm. they are right. being naked Emotion- yeah. emotionally, emotionally exactly. vulnerable. And that's why if you build something from the beginning, you have something to hold on to. Because you will get to those times when there is nothing that you can turn to. There's nothing about the way they look, what they can do for you physically that will keep you. But it's those intangible things that will have you guys, like, stick it out. You need that emotional connection. That that really should be the first connection you have, the mental connection. Because if he can stimulate you mentally, then everything else is just... Because there's mm-hmm. nothing because sexier than a man who can, can captivate exactly. my mind and, and my intelligence and yeah. make me want to be better and do better and bring my entire A game every time exactly. I show up. I've had. Yeah. It's not about this. It's not about the sex. I can teach you that. That's right. I can teach you. I can't teach. But I can't teach you how to stimulate me mentally. And if you do that, everything else because you know, I'm yours. You conversate like with me at work. 
I'm ready when I get home. So right. it's all about the mental aspect. And just think, does people, if somebody get paralyzed, can't use what they got, yeah. are you going to leave them? Right. right so if he, them worries been flowing in all the time, that love is not going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So the writing, that stuff is, is actually good. Now, as a far as celebrity, it's kind of hard to do because you got so many people in your business. So it's shocked that she was able to keep it quiet for so long. Well, I don't think it's a shocking because of who she is, though. Michelle Williams has always been... She hasn't been like the background. other celebrities. Yeah. She had background. Yeah. And so I think it was easy for her type of celebrity. And she's always, um, to me, appeared. You know, we're homegirls, at least through IG. <laughs> and, um, humble. She, yeah. She's always been humble. She's always been humble. Yeah. She seemed like she's really approachable. The fact that she was even at this conference, you know, because mm-hmm. she had just got out of a bad relationship. Right. And she just wanted to get back to herself and understand she did a spiritual awakening. Yeah. And, you know, and when she said, when he spoke to her, she was like, I'm not going to flirt with the past. You're exactly right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if he's single. Right. Now, if he's somebody else's, you best not be flirting with the yeah, past. Right. To go but if he's single. Though. Right, right, and I right. I think she just got out of a relationship, they said, right? Yeah, she got yeah, out of she, a really, yeah. and, a, mm-hmm. and it was a public relationship a lot of people knew about. So. But did, and, uh, did she get engaged in that one? In the first one? In the one that she was with so long. I don't Because she don't was know. like five years. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, just just like wow, mm. but I mean, yeah, hey, it, it works. I would be shocked that you know he saved up a ring. You know he yeah, he gave her five carrots. He saved it up for eleven years. No, not so not particularly for her, but for no, her. just for whoever his wife was going to be. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. good for you, Chad. And he kept right. himself for that time. He said a couple of times he wanted to go back to that bank account, but then mm. he realized no, this is for the woman. Now how do we know he kept himself? He never really. He never really said he kept himself. <laughs> I he just he said did. He, he said he saved. He saved money. himself. Well, he didn't say he, he saved. saved. He he kept so, but that's he how you prepare. They ain't kept nothing. But see, that's how you prepare for the next phase of your life. Is what? Is you do stuff like that? Yeah. Like if you're a woman and mm. you want to be married, check, can you cook? Can oh, okay. You clean a house. You prepare. Like you prepare. You don't just. They w- you they don't just wait until. The is that working on yourself when people say this is Absolutely. how when you work it's on yourself? Personal development. Right. Okay. Personal yeah, development. it's all personal development. And so you want to be married, you need to come with a ring, bruh. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Chad. <laughs> and, uh, he came with a ring, all right. Yeah. Like he who finds a wife. Uh-huh. So you got to be already a wife material for him to find you. Right. Ain't that he not who marries? He who finds the thigh. Not he who marries, but he who finds her. Exactly. The fun, so he Breathe. got a whole bunch of favor now that he didn't have yeah. before. She already got We're not going to touch that, that, that script. She already but got I, a wife. Uh, but I congratulate him. You congratulate yeah. him? Yeah. That ring is nice. I'm excited for her. You know, every love. picture's like this now. Right. I every, love love. <laughs> every picture's like this. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> who else have, I don't want to take up the whole conversation. Who else has something they want to talk about? Oh, um, shucks. Let me pull up my little list. Pull up your stuff. Let me pull it up. Before we talk about this. Well, my favorite guy is here tonight. Who? And I didn't get to see him. Who? Jamal Bryant. I know Who's y'all him? like him. I love, yeah. I like Jamal He's Bryant. at New Mount Joy tonight. Um, they have it. Pastor Guns is preaching tomorrow. It's start, conference starts tonight. Oh, okay. I like Giselle. <laughs> I like Giselle, too. That is why? Yeah, his ex-wife. Yeah. She is funny. I like her, too. But I, I love him. Every time, every time I said it, people like, oh, you know what he did? I'm like, okay. I know Jamal Bryant. I, know I like him. I think it's foolish when people say stuff like that. Especially... That man, because he has, he actually has gone out and talked about his mess and how he was wrong. Not saying, oh, I'm only human. Like, I mean, he's gotten raw. Yeah, and he, about sat, he was sitting down for But right. I, I mean, his, his anointing is still there, and I love the way he preaches. So. Is he still with Tweet? No, I don't think they're together anymore. Oh. Her, her, her IG is totally <laughs> nothing on him anymore. Really? There's nothing on her. Yeah. 
But most will try. Okay, I want to talk about um, chivalry and if it's dead. Okay. You know, um, a lot of people know about um, Tiffany Had. Is she ready? Oh. You know, mm. and she was reported. She well, she did a post on her own on, on IG. Mm-hmm. I'm an IG stalker professional. And um, she was at the airport, and a TMZ reporter was there, like, posted up, watching her and all her friends put all of their bags in the car, waiting for the opportunity, I guess, to get an interview or whatever. And she talked about how hot she was, that, you know, why would you watch all these women do this when you wouldn't even help, you know? And, I mean, she was she was just livid. And she was, saying that she was even willing to give him some scoop on some things. So the question is, is chivalry... Is it dead? Should it be expected in chivalry? What I mean, should men help a woman out that's doing lifting things? Do, should men still be opening doors? You know, things like that. Is chivalry, is it dead? Is it outdated? What do you guys think? Well, I mean, well, did he have somebody else there? You can't hold a camera and hold a bag at the same time. He's trying to do his job. Girl, he was sitting with his legs crossed up against that pole watching her and watching them put all their bags in. Okay, so he, he wasn't the one holding the camera or anything like that? I don't know what kind of camera he had, Chris. Where are you going with this? Because TMZ, because he's doing about, his job. This isn't about TMZ. This is about chivalry. <clears throat> chivalry is not dead and, and that, you find the what? right man. <coughs> every every man doesn't do it. But I'm thinking, I, when, I, when I first heard I'm like, okay, he's doing his job. It ain't his job to carry a bag. Yeah. Get a, get a bellman. Get somebody to help you. You Tiffany Haddish, you know. So if I'm working my camera, I'm trying to get a scoop. I'm not trying to hold your bags. No, so. I don't think he's wrong at all. Well, I would have never thought you would be so heartless. <laughs> <laughs> not, so let me guess. I, I think chivalry. what? You, you think chivalry's I believe opening the door, it's of course, that's just, that's just courteous. And I do um, it sometimes. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. For older, for older I, men. I think helping people out, I think it's the courteous thing to do. I don't think that he should have turned into their bellboy, but to watch people do stuff and you just sitting there watching like. That's what I'm saying. It depends. Was he just sitting back and somebody else holding the camera or was he. He, like, see she doing? She can't get your bag right now. She can get a bag. Well, I'm going to say. <laughs> she can get a bag. I mess up my flow. I don't think chivalry's dead. I, I don't think, think it's dead at all. I think it is not as prevalent as it right. was right. before. Um, but I can say that yesterday I had a flat tire mm-hmm. and a nice gentleman in the rain took care and put air and all right. that you stuff. You some of that leg, it, Baby, I did not show any legs. I just smiled uh-huh. and asked. That's enough. That's enough. You asked him to do it? I, I didn't really. I was like, is my tire flat? And he mm. was like, yes. And he was like, would you like for me to 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 put some to take care of that for you? And I was like, yes. I really didn't. I don't know how to. That's one thing that I don't know how to do. Because mm-hmm. um, my dad did all that stuff going yeah. up. So mm-hmm. I usually just <clears throat> will roll it down the street to the car people and mm-hmm. let them take care of it. And so he put air in my tire and made sure and paid for it because I couldn't get to my Money uh-huh. fast enough, and it was raining yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I don't think chivalry is dead. Now, if men aren't being chivalrous to you, yeah. you mm. might want to check <coughs> that look. That look, that question. We're in a different day, too. You can't really rush up to anybody and, and, and look like you're going to grab their bag and help Tiffany them do things she, nowadays. Right, throw some blows. Yeah, she looked like she <laughs> might knock the brother right. out. But this I don't think chivalry is dead because not my husband does it, so I'm well okay with it. It's about the concept. It's about the concept. But I... I'd never said that no one was chivalrous to me, Heifer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
Personal. I, I, to me, it's, it depends okay. on the context of it. Yeah. If I'm doing my job like this, I can't expect you to do something. Hold it. But if you, I'm just posted up and somebody else is doing it, yeah, then I'll be upset. Like, you can't help me. But if I'm doing my job, you know. And well, some women, they're, they're, they're such feminists they're so nowadays. They can handle it. I got my own door. I, exactly. Well, yeah, I can well, get it. Well, I, can get, I, I got it. I was that woman. You know, I remember I had a boyfriend in high school. I and tell. He was like, um, let me. I was a woman who refused it. Uh-huh. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Now, old age, you want it. Mm-hmm. Make up your mind. First of all. <laughs> What's wrong is you're confused. Look, okay. And you're sending the wrong messages. All right. Because like <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, she ready. What I'm saying is. I didn't understand or appreciate the gift it was for someone to serve you. And I think chivalry is a servant, not somebody being your doormat. I think it's nice when someone opens the door for you and they see you in front. And when I drop my little girl off at school and I'm there, there's a man behind me and he comes and opens the door so I don't have to open the door. I think it's nice. Yeah, if he yeah. doesn't, I don't look at him crossways and say, mm, you saw me, you could open this door. I don't wait for yeah. some man to come open the door. But if I was interested in someone and they had that characteristic, they would get my attention sooner than someone who didn't do it. I don't Ooh. think chivalry is dead. I think, um, to my personal opinion, I don't think women appreciate it and women so independent that they can't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I got with my husband, he do, he's dead. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mm-hmm. get my own door. You know, you're too independent for your own good. Mm-hmm. Right. Until I had to understand this is what he was brought up to do. Then I'm like, I don't mind him opening up, you know, door, going to church, open door. He, I said, I don't open any doors. I don't pay for any meals, things like that. But... I had to really understand this is what he did because I was that girl that paid my bills. I don't need you to. So I think there's a lot of women out here that's too independent for their own good that there's men that are probably trying to do it, and they just don't understand it. So they think, oh, you know, no. They got to enjoy it. Stop being so independent. You become lonely being so independent. And for those of you men who are listening who do, who are chivalrous, thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you so much. We We appreciate appreciate you. And if nobody (laughs) said thank you today, thank you. No, um, that's Thank a good lead into this. First of all, we have Shanika Bill that says, um, no, I bet Tiffany said as soon as they were done, he immediately ran over for an interview, and she said, get out of my face. <laughs> She's, she said she was willing to tell who. Bit Beyonce in the face. Right. <laughs> um, but Shanika also says those sorts of values I don't think are being taught anymore, right. which is a good point. And we have Nancy on from the National Kidney Foundation. Hey, Nancy. Um, we have Candace Credo on, Tiffany Ross, and everybody saying hello. 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 Thanks for listening and tuning in today. I was also asked in another message, why is Will ending his show? Oh, no. Oh, Better no. things are to come. Yeah. Better, yeah. Just part two. Going so on. this way. Okay, so is being faithful hard? Do you think it's hard? Being faithful is hard. I don't have a problem. What's our definition of faithful? (laughs) Okay, so to be clear, we're not talking about. We're not talking about. I'm gonna read what I saw. We're not talking about physical encounters. Many people limit the definition of cheating to physical encounters, but you know it happens much sooner than that. Um, You know the type, the extra DM on Twitter, the inappropriate like on Facebook picture you had, no business viewing in the first place, or the hey, how have you been um, message to an ex even though you're in a new relationship. Um, There is real life, the extra flirtatious laugh, touch, or suggestion you give or overlook from a person of interest. You know your respective statuses, so instead you entice each other, playful at first, until the invisible line of being flirtatious is crossed. 
So is is it harder to be faithful than it is to cheat? And then a bigger question is, is cheating more about avoiding situations that can lead to infidelity or having the strength to resist the opportunities at all? That's loaded. Yeah, it is loaded. I wouldn't ask for the definition of faithful. To me, it's hard. It's it's, it's cheating. Because everybody has a different definition of cheating. Mm -hmm. So faithful is easy, but the definition of cheating is hard. I mean, you just, if I'm talking to you in the street, it's. Is that a conversation that needs to be had? I I think so. Yeah. And my thing is, if you would, if you would engage in a behavior without your partner there Mm -hmm. that you would not engage in with your partner Mm -hmm. there, then that's inappropriate. And you, ma'am, or you, sir, are out of order. Exactly. If, if you are a woman and you're married or in a relationship and you spend more time complimenting somebody else's man or another man than you do the one you're with, you, ma'am, are out of order. If you are a man, I mean a woman, and you're in a relationship or married and you spend more time in another man's face than you do with intimate conversation with your own man, you, ma'am, <laughs> are out of order. Okay. Right. Yeah. Ooh. That's a a good way to gauge it. If you shake your hind parts Uh for another man Mm -hmm. and you are not being physically intimate with your husband Mm -hmm. or the man you are with, you, ma'am, are out of order. And and so, and you ma'am are out of order. So I think, so I think there are some conversations that need to be mm-hmm. had, you yeah. know. And I'm a very, I'm a very friendly person. Yeah. Very. And so I, mm-hmm. I really am. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that has come across to a guy as if I'm flirting with him, and it took another guy to say, "Do you not see what's happening?" And mm-hmm. I'm like, "No, what's going on?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "He he thinks that you're interested, you're interested in him." And I'm yeah. like, "How do you know?" And he, you know, I don't. And I was like, whoa, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, tell me what that looked like. Mm-hmm. And when he told me what that looked like, yeah. now it's I'm very professional. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I hug another man, mm-hmm. I hug him from the side. Not because, well, it's because wrong, I want to be absolutely clear, sir, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in you. I, I don't want to confuse you. I don't want to send mixed messages. And I want you to understand where I stand on the situation with you. But, you know, I think a lot of times we're out of order. Miss Curry. <laughs> okay. As Will was reading that, something came to mind, mm-hmm. and everyone is chiming in. Coach Ellis Crum is on live with <laughs> right. us. Hey, okay. <laughs> and I initially heard this from him. He says, hello, Doc. Hey. Hello, RoboCop. <laughs> okay. If you're not married, go ahead. And he says, you can't cheat if you are not married. Now, right. I initially heard that from him, but since then, really? yeah. since then, I've heard it from several other relationship experts. Right. They will say, you are not cheating if you are unmarried. Right. It's not cheating. Well, it's not the biblical term of cheating, but Coach Ellis has been wrong before. <laughs> don't, don't worry, I'll get him straight. Whoa. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I was going to say that. I'm joking. I was going to... I think y'all gave me the mic that's low because my voice. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was going to say that, too, because of the tutelage of coach, that if you are unmarried. It's funny because I was, I recently, not putting anyone out on blast, uh-huh. someone that I know, a young person. Mm-hmm. They're an adult, but they're a young person. And they're in a monogamous, we'll say, relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, they they live together. Um, that's a, Anyway, they live together. Mm-hmm. And the young lady just found out that the guy cheated on her like uh-huh. she caught him some whatever and i'm using the word cheating loosely and the first thing i said well he didn't cheat he he was not um honest uh to the commitment that he made to her but 
you he's not her husband. And she was like, I cooked for you, I cleaned for you, I let you do this to me the way you wanted me and oh, all wow. that stuff. You know, and Yum. you know, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> <laughs> and then you do me like this. Uh-huh. And so I agree that it's not no one broke a covenant. You know, that yeah, is only yeah. marriage. Did you did you break maybe a promise? <laughs> did you were you inappropriate? Yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Perhaps. But I don't think it's um I think we use it too loosely in so many relationships. What so, loosely? Ch- cheating? Cheating. Cheating. So you would be okay <clears throat> if you were dating a man and you were seeing him exclusively. exclusively and you discussed that and he decided that he wanted to exclusively hook up with somebody Or occasionally. Else. You would be okay with that? No, I wouldn't be okay with it, but I would. But, but I you don't just think, said it's fine. I, I never said it was fine. You will not put words in my mouth. I said I wouldn't call it. He, we didn't break a covenant. What I see is his character, and then. He well, what's a I, covenant to you? What's a covenant to me? A contract. Um, a promise. A spiritual contract. It's a spiritual. So is that mm-hmm. the 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 <laughs> wedding ceremony, holy matrimony, or is that the consummating, like? Or is it a combination? We need clarification. You're not get you you nor coach are giving us much clarification. If you are married and and you step out, I, I, marriage is the only relationship that I feel like the cheating term is appropriate. Mm. So what is it? So what is it? Interesting. Yes, you can. You can do two Tell him he's live. got two minutes. Sure. Yeah. Before coach, our first I'm guest call. Bring you on. I think I'm gonna try. I see where you're coming from, though. You do? Yeah. Oh, with who, her? Yeah. Voice yeah. it. Let me hear it. Because, like, we're in college, so all my friends came in with long-term relationships and whatnot, and they wanted to be free, and I think they had the right to be free because they're and not they, married. They, they told them they were free? They yeah. Them. Okay. Okay, who wants to hold this phone? Let me hold it. Well, yeah, I can't, I can't up, cover it up. up. the camera. Oh. Well, what are you, uh-huh. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> just, what? Talk. just talk. Oh, so, Coach, please explain yourself, please. All right, Will. So here's here's how. Look at you can't um, you can't cheat and not marry because you you don't have rights. What you have are what you have are um, you have gifts. Before we're married, everything I do for you and you do for me is a gift. Right. I'm not obligated to do anything. Now, if we've had a conversation, we're supposed to be in a monogamous relationship, and I step out on it, mm-hmm. I have violated my word. I have lied. I have, I have, you know, I don't have integrity. I, I agree with all that. I didn't cheat because you don't, we're not in covenant. We don't have ownership rights. Everything prior to marriage is a gift. You cook for me, it's a gift. Uh, I buy you I buy you things, it's a gift. I pay your bills, it's a gift. I, I'm under no obligation. And you're under no obligation until we get married. Mm. And it, mm. Somebody Jesus. else going. Jesus, take the wheel. Okay, okay. Well, Coach, thank you so much. We're going to come back with you. We have our first guest on the line. I think so. That's right. Welcome to the show. I think we have our first guest, Miss Sarah Mattress, on the line. Yes, hello. Thank you. How are you? Good, and I was just listening to that, and I was like, oh, I want to be here. So what do you say? Do you you believe in it? Well, I wanted to ask him, I was like, whoa, whoa, what is this talk about ownership rights after you get married? I'm like, ownership of what? Ownership of what? <laughs> so do you agree that you can only cheat when you get married? That like if you're dating and all that, that that's not cheating if the person steps out? No, I don't agree with that. <laughs> great, great, great. And 
you are our relationship expert. So I want to thank you for coming oh. on to the show. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, coach. And all it does is cause problems, and then they're up in my office and talking to me, you know, having our, our calls. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, um, I didn't get a chance to introduce you, so can you tell the people about yourself and, and what it is that you do? Yes, yes. So as you said, my name is Sarah Magris, and I am a licensed relationship therapist. I've been working for the last 12 years with couples and families, and uh, recently started doing motivational speaking and group work because I just started seeing the same mm -hmm. issues and patterns coming up. And so I was like, well, you know, hey, we can kind of address this on a bigger level rather than this one-on-one -on -one because it's a universal problem and universal struggles and uh, universal pain that couples are experiencing. And I just realized no one is teaching relationship skills in class. Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, like growing up, no one, I didn't have a class in high school that taught us about relationship skills. And so we're just like told, okay, you get, you fall, you find someone, you fall in love, you get married, you live happily ever after. And like, no one says all the skills that you need in between to actually make that successful. <laughs> so it's kind of setting people up these unrealistic expectations and kind of setting them up for failure mm -hmm. and which is why when the relationship starts to get rough and isn't all you know afternoon delight and you know breakfast in bed people start to jump ship and just move on to the next relationship mm -hmm. and the next one right. and it's because they're not learning the actual relationship skills to make that successful and so that's where I come in and teach those you know tangible, real life, here's what you can do, because when you know better, then you can do better. Exactly. So. Wow. <laughs> so, Sarah, in your experiences, what have you found are the most common problems in relationships? Well, honestly, people think it's communication, but it's not communication, it's connection. Mm -hmm. And it's feeling disconnected in the relationship. Right. And it shows up so differently in men and women. Like, Women typically, and this is all, you know, generalizations, obviously, right. but women are typically more about, uh, you know, talking and they want to have eye contact and let's do quality time together and that's what makes them feel safe and secure and connected in their relationship. And when men hear the word, let's talk, they immediately freak out and are like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? How did I screw up now? Right, right, <laughs> so, right. Sure. They don't connect by doing that. They connect through actions and activities. And so they're like, hey, let's go hang out and play golf or let's go to the beach. And do, like they want to be active and that's their connection and physically. Let's either go do something or let's have sex. And that's how I express yeah. my affection and connection to you. Exactly. Um, and so I think it's that we get caught up in adulting and daily lives and <laughs> that we miss those opportunities and we don't have those habits for connection along the way. Exactly. Well, hello, Sarah. This is Caprice. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well. So what solutions do you have for these problems, like to, to get a healthy relationship? So the first thing I tell them is to start implementing habits for connection. So if it's hey, what's the habit that you want to do in the morning? Do you want to always, you know, kiss and say goodbye before you leave? If someone's sleeping when you leave, do you want to kiss them on the forehead and say goodbye? Um, like, what are your rituals throughout a day to have these, like, yeah. touch points of connection? Are you going to 
you know, call if one person has already left for work. You know, are you going to call in the morning when you're leaving and say, hey, just wanted to say good morning and have a great day. Like, it could be two seconds. But it's these little touch points throughout a day that kind of keep that. Like, think of it like um, like electricity through a cord. Mm-hmm. So if you're gone for eight to ten hours a day at work and there's no electricity running through that cord between you and your partner, and then you come home and you're supposed like just flip on the switch and have all this electricity when nothing was flowing through the whole day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't always work that way. So to have that constant flow of electricity through those little moments of connection, of send a cute little text message. Like technology these days is so amazing. You can yeah. send a little a little gift with like two people making out and you're like, this is what I'm going to do later tonight when I get home. Like that kind of flirting and connection throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, it creates, it lessens the gap of the distance that you feel. Okay. Wow, that's good. Yeah. 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 So, hi, Sarah. This is Jody Melissa Slaughter, and I I, want to know what you think um, about how the Me Too movement impacts uh, relationships. So, this has actually been so fascinating to see, and I love it so much because I've seen it open up conversations and create more emotional intimacy and vulnerability with couples Mm -hmm. where, for example, if uh, the female and the relationship had an experience and she'd never shared it before, she had just like repressed it and sucked it down. Well, all the attention of the Me Too movement, you know, brings that all up to the surface and it's an opportunity for her to share that with her partner and say, hey, this is my story, and this is what's happening now. It's come to the surface, and I'm ready to share it with you. And then they have that connection and that healing because every time you share your story, that gives a moment for healing. Right, right. And then I have a couple who that was their situation, and the husband, you know, a few weeks later, he came down, and he would playfully pinch her or slap her on the bottom and he goes, oh, I just realized I need to stop doing that in front of our sons because they're going to think that's okay. Wow. Yeah, and so what to them in their safe relationship, you know, is the way that they show affection to each other. They then had that new level of awareness of we have to be sure to really teach our sons, like, that you just can't walk up to a woman and pinch her right. <laughs> on the ass. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, if, that's if the, you know, yeah, if the Me Too movement would have happened, that conversation probably would have never come about. And so it's just bringing awareness and that deeper level of intimacy of like, here's my whole story, not just, oh, I had five sexual partners before I met you. Like, here's, here's more intimate stuff of things that have stolen away you know, pieces of my worth, and now I'm reclaiming that by sharing it with you and making you a part of my healing. Yeah, I think that's good. So, Sarah, hi, this is Rhonda Arrington. Hey! No middle name given. Um, She was hating on me first. I was going to say, no middle name needed. Listen, I'm telling you, it stands alone, Rhonda Arrington. So, listen, you know... Um, I think it is great that the Me Too movement or anything that creates opportunities for us to grow, to heal, and to be more vulnerable. But then the flip side or the other part of relationships, 
we see that that marriage statistic is not changing. It's still 50-50. People are staying married. People are getting divorced. It's still the same. So what can you help us with um, why relationships or how are they set up to fail? What can we do to make that number go up for marriages? Okay, so the main thing that I see come in and the complaint is, is typically the situation is the woman feels like she has been saying the same thing over and over for years and has been like reaching out for help and for things to change. And maybe it'll get better for a little bit. There'll be like a, a honeymoon period. Right. But then it just falls back to the what and how it was. And in the guy's mind, he's like, well, I'm going to work. I'm providing for the family. I'm coming home. I'm not cheating on you. I'm not beating you. So what the hell are you complaining about? Right. Are you in my house? <laughs> <laughs> and so they're sitting there completely shocked of, oh, my God, why does my wife want to leave me and telling me that she isn't in love with me anymore? I've been doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And what they don't realize is that our culture sets them, like, sets relationships up to fail because it sends the message to men, as long as you bring home a check, as long as you don't beat your wife, and as long as you don't cheat on her, then yay, gold star for you. Right. And that's not enough for women anymore. (laughs) Women are saying, like, uh, we're a a partnership. They want to be teammates. They want to be an equal partnership in it together. And so they're wanting more out of their men of like, yes, I appreciate that you, you know, provide for our family. I appreciate that you provide a safe home for our kids. I appreciate that you're a great dad. Like, you're awesome in all those areas. I'm also going to need you to up your skill set and up your game and dedication as far as being a husband. Sarah, before you continue, I just wanted to ask a little part. Because it's, just for me, it appears, and a lot of times I know some men say this, it seems like it kind of veers a little bit to, to saying that the issues or the setup for failure falls on men. You know, are there situations, right. I mean, would it be fair to say that there are some women who have set their relationships for failure? Women oh, who, totally. you know, are expecting the so, wrong things or who are not allowing their man the space or the atmosphere oh, to totally. want to be vulnerable and to want to totally. be forgiving. Yes, and so what I say is that, because in this dynamic is the women, their role in this dynamic is that, yes, it's great for women to be empowered and independent. Like, we went through the whole, like, burning your bra phase and, like, you know, going to work, you know, bringing your tennis shoes in your bag and wearing your heels. Like, we, like, I love all of that and we're pushing the pin forward. Right. In that, though, women, their role in this issue is that they start doing everything and they're like, I'm independent, I can do everything. So then they get married, and they're like, yeah, I can take care of this house. I took care of my house before. Well, then kids come in, and then it gets more stressful, and women are also working as well as being in the home. And so then they go, oh, my God, I thought that I was Wonder Woman, and they have this badge of honor where they get pride and worth out of that, but they're emasculating the men in the process. They're turning the men into a like a, another child, this parent-child dynamic. Right. Men are totally, totally capable of doing all these things. You know, they're totally capable of being partners and totally capable of being active. And honest to God, they want to. Right. And they go to do it. The women says, well, you didn't load the dishwasher right. So then they get, mm-hmm. you know, scolded because they did the dishes, but they didn't do it right or the way that the wife wanted it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and right. I'm, 
I was like, no, tell him thanks for doing the dishes. Yes, okay. Right, <laughs> right. And give him some. Yes. <laughs> and then he'll keep doing them. Yes. I say to them, I'm like, so how did you reinforce that behavior? How did you show appreciation? Exactly. exactly. Yes. We don't want to extinguish that behavior. We want to keep that right. going. Yes. And honest to God, all, like, all men want is to know, hey, they're right. doing a good job. Right. It just seems like it's never enough. Right. We just had a conversation a little bit earlier where Rhonda Arrington was, <laughs> was saying that she misses chivalry. And we were saying mm-hmm. the women are so independent, like you were just saying. You know, they're, they want to be Wonder Women. But then on top of that, you know, they can do everything by themselves. They wanted to still come and help them lift boxes out the car and put right. things. Luggage out the car. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I hope you somewhere in an airport, Caprice, <laughs> when everything and nobody helps you. Sometimes like we're confused bag. Just be like, do you need help, do you want help, or do you not want help? Well, and I think that's the double-edged sword yeah, for men is that yeah. they're getting this mixed message yeah. of, like, wait a minute, one second you're like, oh, Wonder Woman, I'm, you know, mm-hmm. superhero. And then the other second you're complaining that I'm not opening the car exactly. door. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or we act like damsels in distress. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like car tie it. Yeah. yeah. And it's living your life in that gray area, not that whole black or white, all or nothing. Like, live it in the gray area where, yeah, where, you know, hey, I love to be independent and I love to have a man take care of me and I can fall into him and know that he's going to be okay. Right. Exactly. Sarah, just Caprice, one more thing on that. I always say men are designed. They was born to take care of you. And when you take that away from them, they have nothing else to give. Right. So we cannot be so independent that they cannot do what they were designed to do, which is take care of us. Right. And what kind of message are we sending our men if we're like, no, I don't, I don't need you in my life. You're not wanted. So then what is their role? Right. Exactly. They don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's saying to them, you are wanted and you are needed. Yes, like, the reality is, yes, I could do life without you, but I choose not to because I don't want to. I right. want to do life with you. Right, and I want you, you there. Know? Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes, And I need yeah. you there. I think That's sometimes good. women are so stuck in this, I, I can't show my, my cards, and so they won't say, I need you. I want mm-hmm. you, I don't need you. We do need them. We do need them. Right, you know? right. Batteries that. run low. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but you know but you said that though that was there, Caprice, there are Sarah. a lot that of independent women who feel the only thing that you need from a man would be something sexual and then they even dismiss that by saying well I can do this for myself and the sum total of what you get from a man and the sum total of what you get from a woman do not equate to what they can do for you physically and we've got right. to stop putting ourselves in these boxes I think that's what you talk about too with the setting up for fail when we mm-hmm. when we have pigeonholed our spouse or our significant other to only be one thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is when you're in a relationship that's focused on growth for both and serving, like when one person wins, the relationship wins, mm-hmm. that shifts that dynamic right. versus this competitive. Like you're not against each other. You're not competing against each other of, well, I took out the trash 20 times and you only took it out 10. Right. Hey, it's whoever, you know, gets the win, it is a win for the team. Right. Good. Exactly. 
And then it and then it perpetuates healthy relationships for your children if right. there are children yes. involved, and yeah. they get to see what that looks like and how it's yes. supposed to be designed and set up. And that's really the most powerful thing that you can give your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very much a proponent of like be real with your kids too. I mean, you don't have to tell them all your secrets, but don't only you know, have hard times behind closed doors because then they get the impression, oh, well, my parents grew up, you know, their marriage was all roses and sunshine. We never saw that fight. Right, right. Just because you never saw it doesn't mean that they weren't working through their hard times. So, like, exactly. show your kids this is how you work through the hard times. Exactly. So, Sarah, mm-hmm. what are the top must-have advice for relationships? Top must-have advice for relationships. Mm-hmm. Definitely connection for sure. So connection, transparency, it's all about, you know, being, building that trust. Um, And it's not just trust of like, I don't lie, cheat or steal. It's, you know, the real foundation of trust. Mm -hmm. And I would say self-love. Like, I feel like every good relationship is built on a foundation of self-love. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's That's so true. That's awesome. Self-love. That's it. And so, sir, I'm sorry, this is. Jody, Melissa, Slaughter, the three <laughs> names. <lady. laughs> I have a question. So, are these what you just gave us? Connection, transparency, trust, and self love. Are those also the top skills that you see that are missing the most in relationships? Yes. Okay. First of all, people do not understand what trust actually is, yes. and so they, it to them, it's this um, really like heady, unobservable, like it's not actionable. But when you understand the anatomy of trust, it becomes very observable, very actionable. And then you can pinpoint, this is the area of trust that I'm struggling with versus, hey, I don't trust you. Because people get all offended by that statement when they're like, hey, I don't trust you. They're like, wait a minute, I'm very trustworthy. What are you talking about? And I can be really, I'm very trustworthy too, but I also know that. One of my weaknesses in, in, in trust is generosity and that when I get hurt, I have a hard time right. of assuming the best in somebody. Yeah. And so I'll assume the worst. And I know that that's an area I have area of trust that I need to work on. And so having that tangible understanding of these are the different components, this is what I need to work on, is so much different than I don't trust you. Right. That, that's really good. I have a saying, and it's talk tried by times equals trust. So if you're consistent with me over time, then mm-hmm. then that shows trust. But trust tried by time equals intimacy. And I think that goes back to your transparency. I like, I like, yeah. I like yeah. that. That's right, really Jody good. That's right. Yeah. That's really good. You've been great. I have thoroughly enjoyed yeah. having yes. this conversation. Me with too. You, Sarah. Me too. I can do this hours. I love talking to y'all. Yes. <laughs> How can we keep up with you? So you can visit uh and it's S-A-R-A-H and then M-A-D-R-A-S dot com. And I have a bunch of freebies. They can download my Habits for Healthy Connections. And there's a bunch of free stuff that you can download. I love it. I'm going there tonight. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so you. much, Sarah, for coming on. You've been great. Thank yes. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. All right. I like her. Yeah. Good she was, stuff. She was great. She was good. Good stuff. Coach still on the line? She really knew what she was talking about. I can bring him back. Coach Alice, are you ready? While, while we're waiting for Coach, I love that quote that, that, um, Jody? that Jody says. Yeah. And I've been saying it, jacking up a little bit, since she said it about a couple years ago. Now, I don't want to. She said it so eloquently, no one needs me to jack it up. But I, the point is, it's beautiful when you just think about 
the building, and we've been talking about that mm-hmm. all through the show today, mm-hmm. about building on things and giving it, allowing it the space for it to grow, yeah. and when you do it the right way. And I think that's the problem. I think we're such a microwave society mm-hmm. that we're not really interested in the building. We want the end result, but we don't want what you have to go through right. to get to that place where it's 35 years later, yeah. and you're still in love with him, and he's still in love with you, and you're still best friends, exactly. and you still like walk on the beach at night mm-hmm. holding hands because you genuinely oh. like each other. That takes that takes time it does. and that takes connection and it takes it transparency and trust you know and i think I, yeah. I i think a lot of times we hijack the building process right I, yeah I, I say when to people that's dating now and or courting whatever you consider yourself doing when you get with this mate say can you handle me through my process because you're going to have to go through a process with the mate, like you said. So if he says yes, because you have, you, you're not who you're going to be 20 years from now. Right. So you have to say, can you handle me through my process? Because I'm not going to be who you think I'm going to be. So if they say yeah, then okay, because everybody's going through a process. Right, and I think the powerful thing about that, Caprice, is going through it together. Exactly. Right. Can, right. You, can you walk with me through my process? Because I'm not going, the way I need to be right now. And that's the question together. I would ask. Are yeah. you willing to walk, walk with, with me? Walk with me through my process. You know, exactly. I, don't ask. I don't even don't ask me, and I'm not going to ask you, are you going to be there? Because I can say yes right now. Yeah. Are you going to walk with me? Through? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, I'm not the first one I was. I'm, I have to go through a lot to get to where I need to be, and it, it's been some rough times. I'm only right. been seven years, but it's like, okay, well, you know, we got to get through this together. Right. Yeah. And is it also saying, I'm sorry to cut you off, but is it also saying unconditionally? <clears throat> yes. You know, well, I, I think... think I think that's important. I, I yeah. think unconditionally is important, but I think that without self-love, yeah, I think it's really hard to learn mm-hmm. learn to love someone else right unconditionally and to to live a selfless existence with someone you've identified that you who you want to spend the rest of your life right. with. Right, right. I think it's hard, but you I think it's coach. good. Coaches on live, mm. and we have several other comments okay. before I guess. Um, coach, hold on. <laughs> Okay. 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 Uh, We had Thaddeus Wilson that says it's all based on the trust the two people involved believe they have established between themselves. Um, Ellis Crumb said that's right. Scrolling down. Tawana Williams says hello. Hey, Tawana. Hello. What up, Tawana? Um, Shanika Bell says, have you seen acrimony? That's what yes. happened. Oh, he cheated. Yes. I can't. Y'all see my post. I have not seen it yet. Uh-uh. He cheated, but she took him back and married him. I think that happens often, and honestly, I believe the words love and cheating are used very loosely. I also think people commit way too early to relationships, way before figuring out they are and way before having the opportunity of experiencing and exploring people mm-hmm. air quotes to determine the type of person they are truly attracted to. Unfortunately I think that's when cheating takes place in the midst of being in a relationship and finding yourself. And now Coach Ellis is on the line. Who, okay so who said that he cheated and she took him back? Shanika Bell. Shanika saw what movie? Acrimony. Acrimony. Remember the beginning, the beginning of the When they were dating, teenagers. they weren't married. Remember, cheating well, is not cheating unless you're married. Uh-oh. Didn't you say that? Yes, Uh-oh. I'm not disagreeing. And Coach Ellis you, is laughing. I'm agreeing with what you're saying. I was saying, we thought you didn't uh-huh. know what part of the movie she was talking about. Oh, I about. knew. I knew. I knew. Yeah. I, knew. I just wanted to make sure that y'all stick behind y'all word. 
that you're, you know, you're not owned until you're married. Right? Everybody's you're going out with owned. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Master. Ten acres in the mule. Yeah. So, coach. Master husband. Yes. Okay. okay. You were saying before we, we had our guest. <laughs> you, you were trying to prove why what you said was right. Cheating. Well, okay, so I, I think where we were, was talking, we were talking about, and I heard someone say, you know, what are, what are ownership rights? I think that's what you guest asked. And I think to recap what I said is that you can't cheat on, you, you, when you get married, you have rights. Before you get married, you have gifts. And so everything that, that the person I'm dating provides for me, does for me, allows me to do is a gift. It's not a right. When, when I get married, um, I have rights. I have, I have right to have an expectation of things. And so the idea here is that I can have bad integrity. I can I cannot be a man of my word. I can, you know, steal your heart and all the other stuff, but I'm not cheating because you don't have a right to expect fidelity. Yeah, I have to go right back to, to every to person, person that was born and, and redo this over then. Okay. Because everybody That's thinks it's cheating. That's interesting. You I have know. to go by <clears throat> your definition of cheating. I mean, I think when you get with your spouse, everybody has their own definition of cheating. It doesn't just go by the Webster's Dictionary. You know, my definition may be, hey, I have a, you know, you have a best friend and, you know, you can't be going to lunch with them every day. After mm-hmm. a while, you're going to get an emotional connection. So to me, that may be cheating. You know, so it depends on what it is. I mean, if, if I'm at a, if I'm at a Seven Eleven, and I, I remember I telling my husband this time when I found, I, I was like, you slacking off a little bit. If I'm giving too much conversation at the man at Seven Eleven when I'm getting coffee, that means there's a problem at home. I should not have a whole conversation for somebody at Seven Eleven. So after a while, after the first and second, I know this man see him every every uh, day. I'm, I feel like that's almost a form of cheating. Because yeah, I know I'm going also, to the Seven Eleven because I know married. he's going to be there. And so you, your situation still falls under what he's saying. Okay. Uh, because you're married, but you know, if we even if we move away from all of our different definitions of cheating, I think the bottom line is, you know, um, it does come down to, especially if you're not married, what are we allowing? What atmosphere are yeah, we setting yeah. up? You know, that if this happens to me, if you betray. A, a promise. If you betray what I thought we had set up, what do I do next? If you're spending all this time with me that I believe is just for me, and then I find that you're giving that same time, whether we call it a gift, whether we call it an obligation, mm-hmm. what do you do next? If you are a woman, if you are a man, what do you do next? You know, do you say, you know what, okay, well, maybe we just need to, like, pull back a little bit and we'll still be together, or do you walk away from the person? So I think the whole idea of cheating is, um, I saw this quote by Nicki Minaj. Now I can't remember it completely. Nicki. Um, where she basically said, I think it was Nicki Minaj. I don't want to, I have to go find it because maybe it wasn't Nicki Minaj. But the point is, it was saying that women expect too much. You know, every man cheats and we shouldn't get upset. Wait, that what? She said what? Something like, I got to find it now. Yeah, please find it. Let it's me on find Instagram? it. Before it was on Instagram. I, oh, that's DM easy. Her. I was just on her. And we should accept her. We yeah. should accept it. But it may not have been. Um, Nikki. Y'all talk about something else and I'm not finding it. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read this letter. I'm going to read this letter. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. This is for the people listening as well. Um, and Nikki told me that some people want to get on camera. So if you have a reply to this, we'll, we'll, we'll let you come on. So this is a letter I saw um, in a group. It says, I'm a 32-year-old. 
and my girlfriend is 31 years old. <clears throat> We've been together for five years and now live together in a nice house. Some time ago, I had serious medical problems, and she gave me one of her kidneys to save my life. Oh, yes. However, things have been slowly fizzling out, and I've found, and I feel, been feeling like we don't belong together for a few months now. I feel like if I don't make a decision soon, we will be married, and I will feel this way forever. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, getting a kidney transplant has changed my life for the better, which I can attest to in so many ways. I feel like staying together is the right thing to do, even though I'm not in love anymore. I'll never be able to pay her back. I'm so torn and conflicted, and I feel like I have to make an impossible choice. If I stay with her, I'll always feel trapped in a loveless relationship. If I break up with her, I feel like an evil person for dumping someone who literally put their life on the line for me. What are your thoughts? Wow. I need a second to eat that mm. one. Um, <clears throat> that takes me back to one of the shows we had with um, – that girl with that guy, uh, remember she was with him. He yeah. paid all her bills, she put her through school, oh, yeah, right, and right. then she, she finished, her, finished school, so and then she no longer cheat. wanted him because mm -hmm. she, she wanted, she wanted somebody yeah. that was on her level right. after he done put her through school. Exactly. That to me is the same way. I mean, but do you stay out of obligation? I don't think you stay out of obligation, but bro, you got to give me something. Cut her arm off. I done gave you this kidney, so and did you give it out of obligation? Right. You, you you get it probably with, just like a, a wedding ring or a promise ring, you get it with the intention that you're going to get married. He probably felt like he was going to get married, right? No. When somebody <clears throat> asks you to get married, right, they're giving you a ring, a promise ring, thinking that's the ring going to take. I don't, I don't think you can compare a, an organ to a ring. <laughs> I think that people need to stop saying. He's not getting it back, sorry. I think people need to stop saying the right thing to do. Uh -huh. You know, like this, this right and wrong. The right thing to do is to respect people. You know, it is an awesome and thing. And tell her the truth. That's the right thing to do. The right thing is to, not, to never feel obligated if... If both of them had ulterior motives, if you played and manipulated this person to mm -hmm. get something from her, and now you feel the right thing to do, you know, is to stay with her because she did this, or vice versa, if she did this to get something from you, you know, then they, they need to wake up and be a little honest with themselves, but... That is a disaster. That's like people who stay married because of children. But they've been dating for five years, so she gave it like, okay, well, this is going to be my husband. We're going to be together ever, forever. I don't mind giving it to him. So that's, that's probably what happened. And that's great. With the, under, but, the assumption but, that you're going to get married. a man who, who you only, I think it's five years is a long time. You, and, and then I would say, why in the world were you around that long and you weren't already married? But that's neither here nor yeah, there. Yeah. But my thing is, if you're going to give an organ, which is a big thing, mm -hmm. you you even risk yourself not coming yeah. back from it. And if you got to take whatever that consequence is, because what if she didn't know? You don't. Sometimes the donors, most yeah. times, they're anonymous, and you know exactly. they don't have any obligation to you. No. And so you can, nor do they expect. Some people, you have their occasions where they meet their donors, so they want to thank them for what they did. But they don't become BFFs. But she gave him with the things. I love this man so much. I know I'm married. I'm willing to give him a piece of me for nothing that I didn't already give him. But that was her choice. That was her choice. Her that was her choice. That was her choice where she was. And you what would he, say that, Coach Ellis. And what he is, and I agree with you on this one, Coach. <laughs> you would say so that. You, so you're good. And so what he owes her is the truth. Right. The truth. Be right. I, because why would you into enter into a loveless? Marriage exactly. out like of obligation, yeah. and you're going to be miserable. She's going to be miserable, yeah. and she deserves. What'd you say? Yeah, have a good 
And what, she deserved. Was it the assumption that you're going to marry me? It was still her decision. So I think it was still that her if, choice. if so he you, would have said, you know what, I'm really not feeling right now, but, you know, I really need your kidney. She wouldn't have gave it. It was with the assumption that this is going to be my husband and I'm willing to do everything for him and I'm willing to show him that. Well, it goes back, I think, to what Will was talking about, about loving unconditionally. And her and and maybe maybe she did think, well, he's going to be my husband, and I would do this. But that was then, and was this then. is now, Things and happen. now he's right. in a place. How much longer where, was it? Well, after he got she got that kid, where he well, just said he's not they in were love together with, five years. He doesn't then, love her. Yeah. And but do you think that she? Uh, here's the thing. I think that when it goes back to what Sarah said, connection, transparency, trust, and self love. Mm-hmm. And when you when you give people the truth. See, knowledge isn't power until you apply it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, but when, you, <laughs> when you give people the truth, right. then they can Hold make an informed decision with all of the information necessary. And when you don't give people the truth, then it's kind of like they're walking into a room in the dark looking for something that they can't find until the light comes on. And that, so it's not about being right, it's not about being wrong, it's about being honest and, and yeah. being truthful with where you are. I think he probably was feeling like this before he got the kidney. But we don't know See, that. See, exactly. Those are intentions. And, I mean, if he's not happy, he's not happy. I'm not, it's not justifying that the kidney situation was right or wrong. Now you're not happy. Well, he's probably wrong with that part, but. From the experience, the, the likelihood that she was a match is very slim. So. Exactly. I, I doubt if, if it happened beforehand. I think probably knowing the situations with, uh, oh, knowing the situations with finding a donor, it probably happened during the five years after he had the transplant. Because anybody can just give you a kidney. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everything has to match. Te- yeah, everything yeah. has yeah. to match. Everything has to match. So, um, and I'm then she has to be healthy without yeah. things mm-hmm. that could, you know, impede his, his progress and his mm-hmm. life. Yes. So a lot I think of tests honesty, go into it. Yeah, I think honesty is the best policy. I think he needs to be honest with her. But I, yeah, under, I understand his dilemma, mm-hmm. and it is a dilemma. Mm-hmm. But I think honesty is the best policy, and I think he needs to be honest with she her. Is. She's going to be hurt either way. She is. She's exactly. And if he lies, she's going to take one of his organs. <laughs> Why he sleep? Why he sleep? Mm-hmm. So you know, oh, <laughs> ain't no need to sit there. So, Coach, was it a gift? <laughs> so it oh, is a gift it that was a gift. her kidney. Oh, because they weren't married. If 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 they loved if they loved each other, did they have the conversation? Because I hear a lot of assumption. If they did not have the conversation, I'm going to marry you. She had no right to assume that. Assumption is the mother of all regret. So she didn't have any right to assume that because guys will live with you for 10, 15, 20 years and not want to be married to you. That's just a fact. You know, so unfortunately, uh, because of what it takes to get a kidney, you know, she was a rare find to begin with. Mm-hmm. She was. Right? But the second piece of that is for her to make assumptions without having a conversation was not good for her and not good for him. And he owes her the truth. Honesty is not the best policy. It's the only policy. Mm. And if he doesn't do that, they will both be condemned to a life of misery and regret. Absolutely. And nobody deserves that. Absolutely. Thank you. I agree, Coach. Write that, write that down. Agree. We That's agree. That's two. That's two. I'm not sure. That's two. <laughs> Say it again, coach. Say it again. <laughs> um, so Ivana Trump. Oh. Did you guys see her? Ivana Trump. 
your President Trump's first wife. So he's thrown shade on Don Jr.'s <laughs> wife and also told said that he, she thinks Trump shouldn't run in 2020. So, um, you know, Donald Trump, he got junior, he caught, got caught cheating or something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Before, before you go on, I have to read this. Mm. Shanika Bell says, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you my kidney on assumption. Okay. <laughs> Shaniqua said, I want to sign contracts. Uh, exactly. Sign contracts. <laughs> right. And I want it to be notarized. Mm, mm, mm. Sorry about that. And you renege, she's going to take it out? Okay, go on with you. So, um, they filed for divorce about a month ago, and um, the mother, she's spoken out. She said, Donald Jr. is a good-looking guy, and he's successful. He's not going to have a problem finding a girl. And then she said, the wife, on the other hand, Maybe Vanessa might have a little problem because she has five kids. Now, they have five kids together. But she has, she has five kids. Who's going to date and marry the woman who has five children, especially since she is young, 40, and she might want to have more? Do you think it's harder for men, to, men or women to move on after a divorce and start dating? And well, listen. <laughs> I feel like that's a little bit in my backyard. <laughs> I, I say that I think it's... I think it's easy, easier for both, depending on what happens. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier for men to find themselves in non-committed relationships after divorce. I think it's easier for um, women to... Um, no, I, I take that back. I don't agree with that. I think it's easier for men to, to, to just find whatever, whether it's meaningful, whether it's not. You know, um, I think that women, whether you have children or not, it is... The struggle is real for us no matter what. Yeah. Whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, with children, without children, with a house, without a house, with credit, with Why good credit, that? with bad credit. Short hair, long hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> Natural. You know, right. We. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I think it's, that's a whole nother, a whole nother ball game. Yeah. I think it's more difficult for us because there's so many things, factors that come in when we are out there, especially after a relationship has ended or after a divorce. Mm. You know, with men, I mean, as an outsider, because I'm not a man, it seems that it's easier to get something from someone, you know, because men, you they conquer, they go after, you know. And they nine times out of ten don't have the kids with I was going to say, and do they you don't think? Have you know, we have the kids, mm-hmm. we take them with us, so if a man, if we do meet a man, then we got the... Right, his, his, his availability is now changed, you know, he's more That's flexible, you know, and so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it is easier for, for men. Yeah, and I think also dating somebody with kids is difficult. Right, but I think we find someone better than what they do when they find somebody else. That's true. I think when, when it's the second time around, I think women have a little more goal-oriented. Yeah. Men, you'll find typically, sometimes repeated, they'll get another version of her. You know, or they'll get what they thought was better than her. So I think that's it. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then I'm like, shoot, I done messed up and got the same mess mm-hmm. again. Twenty percent. Right. The eighty twenty. So I think okay. when we finally when we finally do get back into another relationship, I think they they end up with a better situation. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. And I think the perspective about moving on is different. Right. Is different too. Um, I think huh. men do. I think men move on much quicker, right. and that's not a dig towards men. Just like if a man's wife passes away, he's he, they are more inclined to meet someone within three to six months 
and start a new relationship. Yeah. But a woman, it takes a woman a little longer. So I think our perspectives are different. That's not a dig towards men. It's, it just it just is. We're more is. emotionally attached. They're not. You know, that's why they well, cheat. Wait they, a minute. They, no, they say men that, love. But that's not true. Men can have a sex with somebody and still love their wife. But that doesn't mean that he's you not can, emotionally attached. Too. I can't. Maybe some women can. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean he's not emotionally attached. attached. Men are very emotional creatures, and most of them are a lot more emotion emotional than what mm-hmm. they allow us to see. Mm-hmm. It's that we don't expect it, and the assumption is that they're not. But, they're not. but they really, really are. They're extremely sensitive. I love you. I love you too, Will. Okay. Hang on, I take don't a, love you at all. <laughs> we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back with our second guest. You're listening to Let's Face It. We'll right listening to Let's Face It. We're straight on the screen. We'll be right back. And now, a message from the American Migraine Foundation. It's an absolute nightmare. Yeah, I was terrified. I was like, your head's going to explode. Migraine is a disabling disease. Just all of a sudden couldn't see. Migraine has ruined my life. Absolutely terrifying. There's pain that does not stop. It's a throbbing, pulsing, banging, hammering feeling in your head. 36 million Americans suffer. I started getting migraines around five years old. Just takes over everything. I feel trapped by migraine. It hurts like my head's gonna like fall off. And the whole world around you stops. My world has gotten small. You feel like the world's closing in on you. There's nothing you can do. I had spent a year housebound. It's like you're trapped in your head. There's no escaping it. You can't leave your body. Don't suffer alone. Make your move against migraine. Visit AmericanMigraineFoundation.org to find help, learn more, and get connected. As a mother, you don't want to have to worry about this bill is coming, but then she needs this chemo. That's a decision you shouldn't have to make. It's a huge burden lifted financially, and so it allows you to give singular focus to your child. I've never known a hospital that takes care of their patients so thoroughly. That was the first thing I was like, how are we going to do this? When they told us that we didn't have to pay a single bill, I was like, wow. They pretty much have saved us. It's like the world has been lifted off of your shoulders, and now your focus is supporting this child. There is not another hospital like St. Jude. The patient care is unmatchable. It saved my life. It saved my daughter's life. It saved our family. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Battles aren't won solely on the field. That's a common misconception. Battles are won within. Over enemies of fear. Enemies of doubt. In that place where promises are kept. Promises to oneself. This is a Promises to one's community. Healthy people move to free out of their house. Promises to one's country. In the heart of every Marine, you'll find a promise. A promise forever kept. A promise. Battles one. Now back to the show. 
Welcome back. We're in the studio with Miss Rhonda Arrington, two names, Miss Jody Melissa Slaughter, three names, and Miss Capri. You have the what's your middle name? You don't want to say it, Miss Cap- Capri Chantine Ghetto. Capri Chantine. I just Capri- said Caprice S. Elmore. I wish I had known you were Chantine. Mm, Capri Chantine. I was gonna put that on the flyer. No, no sir. <laughs> All right. So our our next guest said that she is calling in. So um, we're gonna wait for her. Then after that, I want to talk to you guys about. Michelle Obama versus um, Melania Trump. There is no versus. Yeah, that's well, not a competition. Kelly Ann um, Conway says that Melania is superior. First of all, her name is Kelly Ann. Mm-hmm. That, that's all <laughs> I can say. And I think you should stop pitting against each other. I think, personally, mm-hmm. all jokes aside, I think the current first lady gets a bad rap because of who her husband yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know? really, I actually like her. And I think that both women um, have great style. Yeah. Both yeah. first ladies, mm-hmm. you know, and so. I have I, to say I, I, I favor Melania. Yeah, I'm right. sorry. And, well, I, I bet you would, though. Yeah. You know, because she is more fashionable. Yeah. She, yeah. she does remind you more of, like, Jackie Jackie O, Oak, yeah. You know, so I think we would stop comparing them. They're both elegant uh-huh. and, and women. I think they're great women in their own right. But we're going to discuss that after we, we speak to Dr. Roberta Shaler, who is on the line now. She's going to talk to us about freeing yourself from crazy-making relationships. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So please help me welcome to the show Dr. Roberta Shaler. How are you? I am really well, Will. How are you? We are great. We are great. We're having some wonderful conversations, and I'm sure it's going to continue with you. Um, I didn't get a chance to fully introduce you, so can you share with everyone who you are and exactly why they call you the relationship, the, the relationship help doctor? Well, I have a PhD in psychology, which is why the doctor part, and I help people in relationships with chronically, relentlessly difficult, toxic, and disturbing people. Ooh, All right that's now. a lot, yes. <laughs> yeah, we we all know one of those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you you've written quite a few books. You've written sixteen books, right? Oh, wow. And the That's one that right. yes, escaping the hijackle trap. You said so. When things go sideways in a relationship, they can range from annoying to downright crazy making. When do I need to know that we need some type of a help? Some some type of help. Well, it's a really good question because some people are just difficult. And we're all somebody's idea of a difficult person at some time or other. I think we can all agree with that. But when there are patterns and cycles that keep happening and we keep pretending that it's going to be wonderful and we keep buying into that, that's the moment you have to say, just a minute, This is a pattern. This is a cycle. And I don't want to go around that roller coaster again. I need help. Hmm. Right. Okay. It's very important to know that because people who are relentlessly difficult, toxic people, they need power over you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they will continue to try and exert power and control over you. Mm -hmm. And at some point, if you wake up and smell the herbal tea, (laughs) you'll notice that I don't want to feel like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't want my children looking at this, so I need to do something, and I get help then. Right. Well, how you doing? This is Caprice. Hi. Um, How you doing? So what is the distinction between difficult people and chronically difficult people? 
Well, I think that's what I was mentioning a moment ago. We're all somebody's idea of a difficult person. We have a bad day. We're going through a stressful period. Um, People know us generally in one way, and all of a sudden we're difficult. That's one thing. But chronically difficult people are repeatedly difficult. Mm -hmm. And the catch that we have to notice is that for the people that I call hijackles, they are going to be worst at home. And so they may look really great out in the workplace or in the neighborhood or the community, and yet at home they will behave completely the opposite and be very, very difficult. And those are the people that we call relentlessly difficult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's also what you call hijackal. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I created the term hijackal because... So many people go to the Google goddess and they say, my partner is behaving this way or my mother is behaving this way. And the Google goddess doesn't have any credentials. So the Google goddess comes mm-hmm. back with a clinical diagnosis. Yes. Right. And that's not fair. Right. That's, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah. 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 So I, I created a non-clinical term. Because all hijackals drink from the same pool of traits. It doesn't matter what the clinical diagnosis is. And we all know the traits, patterns, and cycles of hijackals because we've all known one. So that's why I created the term. And, and I like that, hijackals. So, but I really like it because I'll be calling people that and they won't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so thanks so much for giving me a new term. Um, but how do you, so how do you know if you're with one or related to one? What are the top... Five identifiers of a hijackal, Dr. Shaler. Well, number one is going to be that they always need to win. No matter what conversation you're in, they need to be the top dog. They need to be the one who wins. They need to one who says the last word. They need to have it their way or the highway. So that's number one. And they will do it. Like if, if to win in the moment, they have to say black is white, that's what they'll say. If 10 minutes later they have to say to win black is red, they'll say that. And when you say to them 10 minutes ago you said black is white, they'll say, you don't listen very well, do you? Mm. And it comes back at being your fault. Right. <laughs> so that's certainly number one. Another one is that they have out-of-proportion emotions. So you may be talking about something as innocuous as the weather or what movie you'd like to see, and all of a sudden they've gone from zero to 70, and they're going off like a Roman candle because they don't think you want to do what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. So these out-of-proportion emotions are a big deal. Another real hallmark of hijackals, and I have a whole program about this, a self-study program, but is what we call all or nothing or black or white thinking. So when you're doing what they want you to do, you are the best thing since sliced bread. And two minutes later, when you're not doing what they want you to be, you're the scum of the earth. There's no middle ground. They either love you or they hate you. That's good. Wow. Yeah. Oh, very much. Mm -hmm. Very much. Yeah, they have a a need to control, and I mean that. The way that they've been brought up and perhaps some of their brain chemistry, they have a need to control because they are so frightened of anybody getting getting any power over them that they are sure Mm -hmm. they're going to take power over everybody else. I have a follow-up question to that, Dr. Um, Shaler. Do, do you find that most hijackals 
have uh, are also abusive? I know we don't want to label and use clinical terms and all that stuff, but do you find that they're also ab- abusive? Well, they're definitely going to be verbally and emotionally right. abusive, and the worst among them are physically and sexually abusive. Okay. And then, then there are those who will be spiritually abusive. So it's going to going to go across all parts. They may not all have all of them, but hijackals are abusive. What do you mean by spiritually abusive, Dr. Shaler? Well, have you ever been in the spiritual organization where there's somebody who is always lording it over everybody else, no pun intended, yeah. who, who really, really has that moment where they really feel like they have power and they're going to exert it, even if it doesn't make sense? Or what they like to do is to quote scripture at you that mm. their purposes and they won't listen to you. You know, that you don't get a voice in it at all, or when you're not doing what they want you to do, they use Scripture. When they're not doing what you want them to do, they won't listen to Scripture. (laughs) So it's a different set of rules for them and for their prey. That's good. That that is. Dr. Shayla, thank you so much for this awesome information that you've been giving us in um, your non— and we love hijackle, and it will be used ridiculously (laughs) amount of time. Maybe yes. even a lot tonight. tonight. Um, <laughs> so the question is that that I would like to know is how can you stop this pattern? Like what, what? And I don't know if this is where the question may have gone. Is there help for the hijackle? You know, what is there some type of intervention that we do or prevention? What happens to stop this pattern? Well, I'll answer your first question first. The actual fact is most hijackals do not believe there's anything wrong with them, so they don't need help. And what they will do if you're in a couple relationship and you want to go to counseling, they will go sometimes, much of the time they will go, but they go with the purpose of manipulating, exploiting, seducing the counselor over to their side so that there can be two against one, and they will be right again. Right, right. What happens when they come to see me, because I have clients all over the world because I work with video conferencing, um, they don't get that opportunity. Um, So I see it, and so it's very difficult. So in that case, if I see something about the behavior, I ask an innocuous question like, what do you think your part is in this problem? They will then turn on me. And they will make me wrong, right? So, first of all, getting them to counseling is is, is a first step. If that happens, getting them to stay in counseling is the second step. Because if they do stay, even when they can't win, then you may be able to do something about the relationship. But generally, no. It's the partners or the adult children or the exes of hijackers that have to go and do their own work get better skills, get better boundaries, no strategies to deal with it, strengthen their own inner core, their self-esteem, their self-confidence, and their willingness to, to leave. Because if you don't have the strength to leave, then you are stuck, and you need right. to build up that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I see here that we can get, our listeners can get a free copy of How to Spot a Hijackle. Um, so can you tell us how we can get we can encourage our listeners that they can get their free copy and they can sure. start preventing themselves from being around these hijackles. 
Yeah, it's a really good idea because if any of this is making sense to you and you want to know about a person in your life, absolutely get the free ebook. And the easiest way to get it is to go to hijackles.com, which is part of my big website for relationshiphelp.com. And hijackles is spent hijackals.com. Awesome. So what is it that makes you or make, makes us so attractive to hijackles? Well, if you have come from an upbringing where there was a hijackal in your life, mm -hmm. one of two things will have happened. I mean, certainly there are gray areas in between, but there'll be a tendency either to become like the hijackal or there'll be a tendency to become what I call hijackal bait. So hijackal bait is a person who they can see will be a person who wants to please them, a person who will mm -hmm. go the extra mile for them, a person who um, will maybe even be quite passive and even suffer from doormat qualities. And the hijackal says, all right, I got, a, I got one here that I can control easily, and they're attracted to that. And it's, it's something that happens to us when we're young that makes us think that, that we can be comfortably uncomfortable. There's something attractive about how this person is behaving and something familiar if we've had it in our background. And one other way, if you've been raised in a great home and you have all kinds of compassion and love and you give everybody the benefit of the doubt and everything, you're going to be a really good person for them to go after too because they think that, ah, I can do anything I want and they're still going to love me. Mm. Oh, okay. That's a good point. That's good. So what are the best next steps if someone is listening has just realized hijacking patterns in their relationship? And they want to stop the crazy making. Yeah, well, they are crazy making. They cause you to second guess yourself and question your sanity, too. So if you just heard this and you said, wow, that kind of describes a person that I'm close to. Maybe it was your mother or your father or a grandparent. Somebody was close to you. Maybe it's a partner. Maybe it's an old, uh, old um, relationship that you had. If you recognize that. The best thing to do is, first of all, educate yourself. I've got tons of stuff for people. You can go to fourrelationshiphelp.com and find it there. I have YouTube videos. My YouTube channel is called Four Relationship Help. And it will help you identify that because you'll already have read the free ebook, right? right. <laughs> and so if you want to stop the crazy making, you have to know that you're the one who has to do the work. Don't think that they're going to do it because they're not. You have to strengthen yourself and strengthen your skills and strategies, your boundaries and your insights, and be willing to do what you need to do to empower yourself in order to play on your own team rather than on theirs. Awesome, awesome. Wow. Well, Dr. Shaler, how can our listeners learn more about you and your work and if they need to get in contact with you? Well, as I just said, I really invite everybody to come on over to 4, F-O-R, Relationship Help, H-E-L-P dot com. You'll find so much there for you. I've written so many articles and blog posts. And I have two podcasts. I have Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show, mm -hmm. and Save Your Sanity, where we only talk about how to deal with hijackals. So the other thing, of course, is the YouTube channel, and my channel is called For Relationship Help. All of those things are available. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Thank show. You. We appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you. Good information. There's 
welcome. Thanks for having me with you. No problem. Have a good night. Okay. Okay, some good stuff. <coughs> wow, hijackle. Hijackle. That's your new term? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hijackle. Yeah, yeah. Hijackle. I won't, yeah, hijackle, and don't be hijackle bait mm -hmm. right. for the hijackle. you like, you sneaky right. hijackle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you sneaky hijackle. <laughs> so let's get back to Michelle Obama and Melania Trump. I know you were you spoke very strongly about you. You felt like there was no comparison, right? But Kellyanne Conway said that, which I really don't see this as being any type of factor in the deal. She said that um, Melania Trump has not been featured on any of the covers of any U.S. magazine while Michelle Obama was featured on at least two dozen. Well, I guess that kind of does. It kind of says people like you. Right. Bottom line. Now, again, I do think that sister girl um, Trump, she's getting a bad rep because of her association. Mm -hmm. But all of this is like a popularity contest, though. Leave these women alone. But don't kill well, she did make work a comment. for her. She, she wanted to see um, President Obama's birth certificate. She, did, she was vocal about that. Um, Who was back that? in the day, but um, don't, Melania. But don't Kellyanne, don't she's, she's Mr. the White 45's. House senior advisor. Exactly. So shouldn't you be on <clears throat> his wife's side? You right? Well, I, she could have just left the statement out. I wouldn't have said it. Yeah, I mean. But this is what she said. She said, um, telling you that the first lady is a wonderful role model for women and girls. She said her work with youth. You saw her in the East Wing talking about the opioid crisis. Empowering young kids and their curriculum in school. She's doing just a wonderful job. Everyone is just so excited that she and her colleagues are in charge of the state dinner. They see that every time that they witness her going down for hurricane recovery, she is a philanthropist. She is a wonderful role model and really for anyone, anywhere. She said, I don't think she needs to be on the cover of a magazine for everyone to see how wonderful her work is. Well... I don't like her or dislike her, but we have seen how wonderful her work is because mm. she's posed nude. But okay, that's not what well, we're that talking was about. Wonderful work. I, <laughs> I liked her wonderful. hat. So I, I, so I, I think I think they're two totally different women mm. yeah. who've had two totally different experiences, right. and I think the biggest, the bigger issue here is as women, we've got to stop doing that. Yeah. Right. We've got to stop comparing ourselves. I'm not going to live up to the expectations of any other woman because I am Jody Melissa Slaughter. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I come with I come to the table with everything that's happened to me my entire life. Mm -hmm. And that's who I am and that's all that I bring to the table. You know, just like Rhonda comes different with different stuff and Nikki and Caprice. Exactly. And this young lady, we all come with different stuff. But together we are powerful. Mm -hmm. That's why the Me Too movement is so powerful because we're we're one. We're many, pe we're many people, but with one voice. And that's what we need as women. We've got to stop tearing each other down and comparing yeah. ourselves to each other. They dress very differently, but they're both beautiful in their own right. I bet uh, Mrs. Trump is really a nice woman. Yeah. The, what, so what precedes her is the reputation of her husband. And if she weren't Trump's hus wife, mm -hmm. would we be having different conversation around I, I also her? think that I'm sure Michelle and Barack, they had a conversation about what they were entering into, and they probably agreed on it. Whereas I feel like she was dragged into the yeah, position. Right, right, yeah, right. she it's would much rather be in Milan yeah. shopping. And it's a lot, and you can <clears> tell that life. it's a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All <clears throat> eyes are on you, and she right. seems like she's a private person mm -hmm. to a degree. Yes. And now all of a sudden, you have the entire world—not yeah. just the United States oh, of America, but the entire world—looking at you, judging everything you wear, everything you say, where you are, what yeah. you do, how you do it, and. That's a lot for a woman. 
woman. I mean, yeah. it's a lot for a woman, and I think that we need to stop comparing them and identify the qualities and their strengths and celebrate their individuality and uniqueness. Yes. Can you imagine if every woman in America looked like Michelle Obama? She's gorgeous. Exactly. I love her. She's intelligent. She brings it, and I love her. But can you imagine how how mm -hmm. boring the world would be with every, if all of us looked like her? And dressed like her right. and spoke like her and yes, had her gifts yes. and her strengths and her talents and her abilities and her weaknesses and vice versa. What if we all were like Mrs. Trump? We need to celebrate our yeah. un our uniqueness. Yeah. And I think we should also talk about Barbara Bush, more specifically her funeral and how in all the pictures the president. She, she, she's giddy. <laughs> she was smiling. <laughs> And I liked seeing she that was side so of her. Michelle was she was. She was. Yeah. yeah. I liked yeah. seeing Michelle's that side of her. Yeah. You, do, you do? I do. Yeah. Mrs. Trump? Mm -hmm. Because it connects. There are, there are certain things in life that connect us as humans. Mm -hmm. Life, yeah. death, trauma. See how when traumatic things happen, we all come, come together? together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So there are things. For a moment. For a moment. Mm -hmm. But there are things second. that connect us. And I like seeing the human side of her. Right, right. I like yeah. seeing a different side of her than we normally see. I like, I like the fact that she was probably outside of her comfort zone a little, mm -hmm. but she was with people who made her laugh and smile. And I right. like She probably had, was, I would imagine she, she had, had different fun. expectations. And there was no pressure there. There's no pressure And there. she was welcomed yeah. and she was and accepted. Again, her yeah. husband and was like, nowhere to be found in the picture right. with all the former. He couldn't. Too much? Okay. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'll have to Just show you guys be. off camera, but there was, I, there was a picture where he was included. I have to show it to you. Is it a meme or is it a real picture? It's a meme. Okay. Uh, somebody created. No. Mm -mm. Let me see it. Let me I'll, see it. I'll show it to you. Okay. You saw it? Oh, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it just. Yeah. Yeah. But I but like that. I liked she that. She had no pressure when she was able to be herself. And she I love. Yes, yeah. and I loved how uh, Mrs. Obama interacted with Mr. Bush. Well, that, they, they always that, that They genuine, always do that. That yeah. was genuine, yeah, yeah. genuine friendship. Exactly. They always And I liked it. They always had a good relationship. So. That's wrong. It's just wrong. <laughs> but I liked it. Yeah. You could tell that they really liked each other. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's just what she needed. You know, Who? Mrs. Trump. But to see that? To, to be around. To be around. Yeah, people yeah. who accepted her. Like I said, she was thrown into that, that. She did not sign up for this. Michelle walked with him through this. They, you know, they were senators <laughs> before. They just <laughs> wrong. So they worked together to get to that point. Yeah. She was she was thrown into that. I mean, she don't she don't really want to do that, but so, she don't want to leave him either. To to change gears just a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, um, we've been dealing with a lot of um, shootings in our country. Mm -hmm. You guys heard about the Waffle House, the Waffle yeah. House. yes. Yeah. And um, of course, there were lives that were taken, and then there was a young man who um, worked there, mm -hmm. uh, James Shaw Jr. Oh, he worked there. I didn't yeah, know that. One, okay. Yeah, worked there. He was one of the workers. Too. And he sustained injuries as he was, um, he stopped the gunman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now the gunman, of course, he's still alive. So, you know, we can talk about the Waffle House altogether, you know, the, the sticky um, syrup bottles. But what are we, the controversy, <laughs> the question is that the, the shooter, he's still alive, yeah. you know. And just not even 24 hours later, there was a woman who asked for an extra condiment or an extra knife or thrown on the floor was thrown on the floor by the police and exposed yeah. breast out yeah just so hanging that, out yeah and so what are the conversations you think that we need to we need to have i guess about gun violence if you will or about 
what to expect being black. You can't even go into a Waffle House. You couldn't go to a Starbucks last week. Now you can't go to a Waffle House this week. You know, um, so. So she was thrown on the floor for what? She asked for some, just a week before she was in there. And in she, the same she Waffle got, House? Um, it was a Waffle House. It was, it was in Waffle House? Yeah. yeah. A week Waffle before House. then she asked for some extra nap, um, utensils. They gave it to her. This time when she went and asked, they went to charge her. And she was like, why are you charging me? Yeah. And it was like, well, we're going to charge you for these utensils, whatever. So they said she got outraged, called the police. Two Caucasian police officers threw her on the ground. She still was saying, why are y'all doing What did I do? Threw her on the ground. Her breast was out. Her friend, I guess, was filming it. Like, they treated her like a pure dog. And it was bad. But I'm upset. You know how they say, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Because I'm like, how did... The Waffle House shooter walk away. The man that mowed down them people walk away. Two Caucasian men, but yet you shoot some. And the, the guy actually had a, a gun at the police officer saying, shoot me, shoot me, the one who mowed them down. They didn't do anything, but yet somebody that you thought had a, a gun actually had a cell phone, you managed to kill him. I'm, I'm still confused about that. That so, was the one in the backyard? Yeah. Really but this him. guy said, shoot me, pointing a gun at y'all. He just mowed all these uh, mouths and <coughs> killing people. So I'm confused. So it's like, I'm, I'm just, you what hate you to be totally about? done. I'm just done because it's like, it's a race issue. Yeah, I don't care what it is. It's a race it's definitely issue. definitely a race it issue. Is, and you know, I think. It's <coughs> not a mistaken identity. It's a race it's issue. It's you know, issue. we, um, I, I saw somebody point at Jody's Starbucks. You will, I don't drink Starbucks that often, but I, if I did, I wouldn't stop going to their business. Yeah, exactly. This is the only business, the only entity where we have seen where something egregious like this has happened, and they got so far in front of it. And, That's right. you know, and even on their social media, when people are coming and saying stuff, they have been, like, going after them and saying, no, this is necessary. Yes. You know, because... People need racial bias training because that's the reality. It is. You know, it's about racial bias. And I think that's where we see this in all these different facets. Mm -hmm. It's racial bias. And you don't even have to be a white cop to apprehend and kill somebody. You can be Hispanic. You can be another black cop. You're taught this racial bias. You know, it, it goes back to the the old um, um, wanted signs from the saloons mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. When they show the criminal, you know, he's mm -hmm. all rusty and, yep. and needs a shave. We, so when you see wow. people shave, you automatically have in your mind that they're that's the That's how, yeah. like, the image... I just right. talk, They were talking about this in philosophy last week. Like, it's, like, a specific persona that right. American culture has, like, cultivated on a specific type of person to be the bad guy. Exactly. So automatically growing up, that's what your mind's going to go back right. to, knowing that that's the bad guy. And, and so I, I think perfect. that... <laughs> That Starbucks has started, they, mm -hmm. they made a great lead, and we, we need to follow them in everything. Yeah. In schools, there needs to be racial bias. Whether mm -hmm. you want to call it training, awareness, whatever. I work in a school right now where it's the, the faculty and the staff, they're majority other, what you know, and I'm in the minority, literally and figuratively, you know. <laughs> and we have to start having that conversation. Mm -hmm. and, and because people are not, it's this whole idea. I think it's... It's tasteless to say the best thing, but the most significant thing that I think has happened in all of this bold racial tension <clears throat> is that we have to address it. Mm -hmm. We can't. It's not that it just got worse. It's not that all of a sudden it's always been there, but yeah. now with a boldness. Yeah. And I think this is one of the answers to at least start it, like digging through the root and addressing it. Will be racial mm -hmm. bias. Training but awareness. It, my thing is, where do you start? And if this was something like she said that was conditioned. As youth, probably. Yeah. 
how do you change that? I think we start Especially everywhere. in the police department. I think we start the police department. We start in businesses. We start in schools. We start everywhere. I mean, I think we have to have it everywhere. Like, seriously, if it has to, be, if it has to become a part of curriculum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because <clears throat> I'll speak for myself. When I was growing up, I grew up in Virginia Beach. And mm-hmm. if anyone knows anything about Virginia Beach, it's a mixed area, mm-hmm. you know. So you get a false sense of, of, of everybody being whatever. Do you know every time when I was growing up, we would go to Norfolk, my mom would make sure she would say, lock your doors. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we got to Norfolk, you know, and it was like a culture shock. And I'm black, mm-hmm. you know. And we were like, somebody come up to the same way. That yeah. is true, though. You know? I think that they should, like, start introducing stereotypes a little bit earlier. Because right. I didn't even grasp the whole meaning of stereotypes until I was, like, a sophomore in high school. Right. So I think they can start with, like, simple things like that with, like, second graders to depict what different cultures are and that yeah. one set thing isn't just for one culture and right, that's c- right. it can be for everybody and we can have it everywhere i mean shows like blackish you know and um fresh off the boat and all of these things we need to have even though these shows are comedies mm-hmm. these are sitcoms we need to have more shows that even show the differences and maybe not so many sitcoms maybe the sitcom is giving you the light version of it but we need to start putting the things out there so it becomes it has to be a part of the popular conversation. And I, I don't think it's just a white and black thing. I it's think not. it's a, no, it's not. You have the implicit biases, and I think the, and there's another type of bias where you won't constantly know what you're biased against and what you don't know. Um, because I remember I said a comment, because I'm from New York, and um, it, when I go back to New York, it's just so many different people. You know, you got Jamaicans, Haitians, Spanish, Puerto Rican, everybody's up there. It's like a melting pot. And then I said to my sister, she was like, oh, um, I said, I need to get back to Virginia. Because at least I know who's against you. You know what I'm saying? I know who's against you. Up here, everybody's, they don't like them. You know, the Haitian don't like the Jamaican. Jamaican it's, it's just so much going on. Everybody stays, it's like, okay, let me go back to where I know who's against me. I, right. I can function better down there. So it's like you, everybody's, it's not just white and black. It's everybody. Everybody has issues going on. Okay, well, like you said, when it's nighttime, get out of park place in Norfolk. You know, right. you, you, you know Anything that. that ends in place in Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just messing. And, I'm just messing. Well, park. <clears throat> and, right. and it's implicit and explicit. explicit so explicit yeah. are the ones that you know about. Mm. Implicit are the ones that, are, that you don't know, that you're not aware not of, aware. but exactly. you still act yeah. on. Yeah. 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 And, and Subconscious. I know my yeah. biases. So. And, and I, and I do... I, I do believe that we have to begin having serious yeah. conversations yeah. where we're not pointing the fingers, mm-hmm. but where we're coming to the table and we're having honest, open, transparent open heart, conversation. Open yeah. Yes. Because unless you're a, a, a person of color in America, then you have no idea the experiences of people no of color. And if you're not a person of color, then we can't totally relate to the experiences that they have um, because we can't. But when we come to the table and when we're honest and when we're open about that, then it changes It changes the dynamic. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and so my thing is, you know, I grew up in Pulaski, Virginia, and it's predominantly white. So I went to a predominantly white high school. I came to Oldman University for college. It's predominantly white. I did my master's at Regent University, which is predominantly white. And I'm back here for my Ph.D. But I remember when my parents dropped me off, I was like, Oh my God, Daddy! Look at all these black people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I w- right. because you you think that everybody lives the way you do until right. you realize that they don't no, live the right. way you do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then I remember being <laughs> in psychology classes with people who were from up north, 
and they would say stuff like, I hate the police. And I was like, well, I love the police because where I'm from, they kept us safe. Yeah. And so we yeah. bring all Different of that. We bring those experiences. But until we're honest enough to sit at the table together with people who don't look like us and allow them the opportunity <coughs> to speak, and then we're given the opportunity to speak, nothing's going to change. Right. And, and we have to stop agreeing to disagree. You know, we, we have to stop saying, well, we're just different. You have to, if, you cannot, you can't be, you can't be so against what's not like you. And so then you're not willing to hear. You know, I've worked with a lot of non-black people or non-of color or whatever. And so many of them say, no, I wouldn't have thought of it that way. And then, of course, there are, some of us are too militant. We're too woke. You know, have a dream. You know. <laughs> We too mm-hmm. woke, and, and we're like, well, they should have thought of it. No, they shouldn't have. Why would they have thought of because that? Because it's, yeah. it's not been yeah. the experience. Right. You know, like one thing in particular um, that they do at the school where I am, they have this history day, and it takes place during um, the colonial period, but during mm-hmm. slavery. So the kids have to dress up during that time. Obviously, nobody's in there in shackles. And, you know, one of the parents who is um, non-white, whatever, made a comment that, you know, if we're being real honest, my child can't relate to this. And, you know, how do we address that? And, you know, some of the employees are like, you know, until you said that, I never thought about when we think about this period. I didn't think about that this child would not, even though they're dressed like a little, you know, colonial child, Mm -hmm. you know, for this program, that wouldn't have been their experience. Mm -hmm. And, and, but that's not their frame. That doesn't make them racist. That doesn't make them insensitive. You know, that's not, you know, some um, further down south, I travel. When I see a whole bunch of trees, I instantly see yeah, mansions. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. You're right. You, you know, though yeah. it was not my experience. Yeah. I see, see it. Mm-hmm. I see it. I think about it. Because, because that's your worldview. That's yeah. how you right. view the world. You view the world through the eyes of a person of color. Right. Exactly. And you have to be willing to. You have to like like Jody said. You have to be willing to share, and you have to be willing to listen. Exactly. I'm gonna tell you about experience right quick that I I had. Uh, my daughter went to a predominantly white school. And I felt, and I was ignorant, and I admitted to my child that, no, you go to a predominantly white school. So she's in Longwood. She's been in Longwood for two years. So she went to my niece's school, Bowie State, for like over the Christmas break. <laughs> she went there just to Bowie think. State. So when she came back, and like two weeks later, she called me, and she said, Ma, can I, you know, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah. And she says, well, um, I don't feel like I'm getting a full college experience here. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? She said, um, you wanted me to go to a PWI. So I'm like, well, what's PWI? And she said, predominantly institute. But I didn't realize how much I was missing about me by coming here. She said, because I feel like they train us to think like them and to how they want us to be. And if you're not in, she's a psychology major, if you're not in nursing or teaching, then you're not really their focus. So I said, well, where do you want to go? And she said, VSU. I instantly went to what I heard. Mm. And I was like, you're not going there. They ain't going to teach you nothing else. how to be black and black. You're not, trying, you're not trying to come out of their ghetto, and I'm all going off on her. And she was like, no, it's not like that. And I'm a product of HBCU. So, I, that, so look, so now I went to the school. We went. She said, well, Ma, can I just go ahead and sign up and you see? And I said, fine. So we went up there. And we went up there, and I was just so amazed. And the gentleman that led the, uh, the school thing, mm. He talked so highly. He was like, you don't understand. We're the number one business um, management right. school. He was all the, and I'm like, mm-hmm. 
And I told him, I said, you know what, sir? I said, I apologize. I was really ignorant to the fact because I was listening to other people about HP. I was like, no, no, no. But now she got into VSU and she's going to start going in August. And she said, and I said, why you didn't tell me that shit? Because I didn't think that you would let me change schools because you had this bad perception of HBCU that they're just going to teach you how to step and everything like that. She says, but <laughs> it's my college experience and I want to feel like I'm a part of college. So I let her go to VSU. So it's like, okay. But, and I, I emailed the gentleman back. I said, you know, you have totally changed my mind. I said, I was ignorant. The presentation you gave and what the HBCU offers, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Because, see, here's the thing, speaking from an H- HBCU attendant. Some of you are trying to alumni. throw shade. You're alumni. <laughs> but, um, Which school did you attend? Um, Howard University. Howard. Hallelujah. Yeah. Howard. I'm just going to relate you compared to Hampton. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, the thing is, the education. Yeah. The education at an HBCU is is comparable, and in some cases, more mm-hmm. than a PWI. Yes, it is. It's, but that's not the experience that you get from HBCU. It's not about getting yeah. the better education or getting the lesser education. There is mm-hmm. a part of culture that yeah. where it connects. Exactly. You know, like I said, I grew, up, I grew up in Virginia Beach where it was like a melting pot. Mm-hmm. And so, going to an HBCU, HBCU gave me a different culture. I didn't even know there was a black national anthem until I went to Howard, mm. you know. And, you know, so it, it was just, it was a pride. It was a sense of... That's what I always hear. You know, yeah. They instill it, it, a pride. It is. It's, it's, it's this belonging. It it's is. not a separate thing. It's not a false sense of <clears> the yeah. real world. That's what you it's said, a yeah. community yeah. that, you know, really shows you so much. It's an intrinsic thing. I mean, or, or not intrinsic. It's a... Um, um, intangible things. Mm-hmm. But when you hear so much stuff and you learn, like I said, to be biased against your own people. Right. Like I said, so then I'm, that's why I automatically went to that. But um, she said she feel much happier going there and the campus was nice. Everything's real nice. And I'm like, I really felt bad because I'm like, you know, I was really ignorant to the fact. Right. So, and well, tell her, don't go to that um, that store on the corner. Oh, Lord. No, she don't want no pork chops there. Stay away. There's a little okay. gas station on the corner. But I'm hoping that, <laughs> I said, I didn't want to take her experience away, so I'm hoping that she gets a, a good experience. So, she, the first two years, she was able to be at the PWI, and now she gets the full black. I think she yeah, went so there at the time to a provost or whatever that wow. thing is called, and she was like, I just felt like I'm missing out on so much. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Well, ladies, I want to thank you for coming on yes, the, this final episode. Once again, you guys um, have made me very proud and given my voice a rest. I appreciate it. Um, I do have one final topic I want to talk about. It's talk about <coughs> finding the good in goodbye. Um, I was reading this article. Wow. Coming to my, my, my against my publicist's advice. Of, um, well, why, do you, why did you think that I should stay on? I know you've always been talking about activity and staying busy so that you, you know, people will remember who you are. And I know you made the comment that we need to keep the train moving. But why did you, why did you feel, or do you feel mm-hmm. it's a good decision? I know it's probably too late to ask you, but do you feel it's a good, se- good decision? I think to it's move? a good decision if it's coming from you mm-hmm. and you have <clears throat> made that decision mm-hmm. to do it. So whatever you decide to do, I will support you. Okay. However, but um, <laughs> I do feel like your show has been something that has given a lot of people something to think about. I get the feedback. I get the comments. People text me. People ask me all the time, how can I get on Will's show? And I said, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think your platform has done 
a great service. Absolutely. And it's given yeah. people yeah. who would not have a platform another platform. Exactly. Exactly. And because we stand on the premise of no subject is taboo, mm -hmm. even though we got FCC listening, mm -hmm. but we do our best to push the envelope. Exactly. So I think there is more greatness mm -hmm. within you. That excites me. Yeah. And sometimes we can't see the picture because we're in the frame. Mm -hmm. And I think that's you. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying this for years. I, I have the right to say this as his publicist. He is greater than what he realizes. He absolutely is. Yeah. And your voice, your voice has power. Yes. And your voice has influence. His and, presence has and influence. And you may not yeah. ever see, you may not see that tomorrow and you may not see that next week or next month, but you're going to see it. And I, if I may say this, mm -hmm. ride on the momentum. Yes. If, if you believe in your heart, so if you made this decision because this is what's best for Will, mm -hmm. and you believe that in order to move into the next chapter and the yes. next phase of your life that you needed to close this door, mm -hmm. I'm excited <clears throat> about that. Mm -hmm. But don't let the momentum die right. and you find yourself not utilizing the gift that God has placed mm -hmm. inside of you. You have worked extremely hard. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know what you do to prepare for this show. Mm -hmm. They think you just show up show, oh my God, and God. you start talking for two hours. I know for a fact what you go through. I know for a fact of the headaches, the disappointments, the last lies, minute last minute cancellations, <laughs> and we're scrambling, trying to, trying to create a great program. Yeah. This mm -hmm. is a program. Mm -hmm. This is not something we do as a hobby. Right. We show up to do our best and to give our best. Mm -hmm. And I thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And you've yeah. planted. So these yeah. are seeds that you've planted. Right. And you've cultivated these seeds. And so you're going to, the harvest is coming. Right. And I am so excited for you. I am so proud of you for taking that leap and that jump and showing up with mm -hmm. your hands up and serving people with what's in your hands. And I, I'm with Nikki. I believe that your best days are inside of you and yes. have yet to be lived. And the best is yet to come. And the best is going to absolutely blow your mind. You right. haven't seen it. So you know get what? ready. <clears throat> get ready. If God brings to fruition the things that he's put in my mind, the vision for this next project that I have. Elevation. But it's going to be this times 10. So I don't think it should be yeah. goodbye. So, be oh, yeah, no. It's, see you, it's definitely yeah, it's see you It's not goodbye. Yeah. 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 If you thought this was good, you're going to be blown away by oh, this. Oh, baby. Woo. I can guarantee you that. You'll yeah. Be blown away. Well, I like to be blown away. Yeah. Oh. I bet you do. <laughs> and on that note. I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but once again, thank you all for coming. And if you want to keep up with me, willstrayhorn.com, let's face it, radio.com will be going down probably in a couple months. I'm going to keep it up for a while while I transition into this next move. But um, stay tuned. You can always follow me on willstrayhorn.com. That's with one L. And until we meet again, God bless you. God bless. God Jeez. bless. <laughs> to say goodbye. Please be sure to visit us on the web at letsfaceitradio.com and at Let's Face It Radio on Facebook for the latest in show information and exciting, innovating ways that you can be a part of the show. So tune in next week, same place, same time, for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.
Macy's Backstage has everything to help you get a fresh start, including active gear from brands you love. Reebok, Fila, K-Swiss, and more. Hurry in and find the best booties of the season, starting at $19.99. And pamper yourself. Bring the spa home with fragrant candles, aroma diffusers, even salt lamps, starting at just $5.99. Best of all, look for incredible markdowns in every department all month long. Macy's Backstage. Off-price, on-trend, arriving daily. Find your store at Macy's Backstage. 